Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. Another episode of Garage Door Sports. We are now episode 25 of the podcast. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by our favorite host in Ottawa, Irfan Manji. How's it going, buddy? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Just got off reading week. Just getting yeah. everything ready to go. So it's been it's an exciting time for me. What about you? Um, well, first week back has been a little hectic. Uh, next week's going to be busy, but like I'm good to be back into the swing of things. That's fair. I mean, it, it's nice having the routine again, right? Like getting mm-hmm. back into the routine is good. Um, lots happening this week in sports. We got the NFL Combine is going on. We got Europa and Champions League heading on the other side of the pond. And obviously the big story, the one that we talked about pretty much the entire episode last time, was uh, the NHL trade deadline. So why don't we get right into that? And that'll lead us to our kickoff, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. So, trade deadline day. We did a, our preview, and almost all the players that we thought were going to move, moved. We did yeah. a pretty good job, dude. I think we did, yeah. I mean, uh, they were the biggest rumors, and it made sense. Yeah. Big name that did not move, obviously, was Chris Kreider. Ended up signing an extension in New York. Uh, that'll see him there for the foreseeable future, unless he gets traded at another time. <laughs> Which, for seven years, he's a he's a ranger. Yeah, but you never know with those deals. Like he could be traded this coming off season for at the draft. Like you just don't well, know. You, well, you could be, but now he picked up an injury last night, so I don't know if he will be worth much. Depends on how bad the, the injury is. Well, it's broken, a fractured foot, I believe. Yeah, but it still depends on how bad the injury is. Like if he's going to be ready for next year, he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Be a pickup, yeah. Um. But a lot happened from the time we talked last to now, so let's run through it really quickly. Kovalchuk. The Montreal Canadiens did right by a player and sent Kovalchuk to the Washington Capitals for a chance to win the Cup and play with his buddy Ovi for a third-round pick. The way he's played in Montreal, he's probably worth more than a third-round pick, just saying. But... But they did good by the player, so good by them. Yeah. And they did, you know, upgrade from a fourth to a third. That is trade. true. Like, yeah. That is true. Well, some good little deals by um, Mark Bergevin. 
this past yeah. trade deadline. Yeah. There were some good deals across the league. Um, Mike Green was picked up by the Oilers from the Red Wings for Kyle Brodziak in a conditional fourth-round pick and then subsequently went and got himself hurt in his first game. Which, not what the Oilers fans wanted to see, but hey, he they made the right move, I think, picking up him. He was going to be their third-pairing right-shot D. Yeah. Not a bad move. Um, no, total horse on a power play that can probably distribute the puck much better than what they have. Yeah, exactly. Um... Vladislav Nemestikov is now an avalanche for a fourth-round pick. I think that's a steal for the Avs, but that's just me. No, it is. I think, was he was he a second or a third-round pick swap a couple years back or something? Maybe something like that, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a good steal for Joe Sackick. Um, one of the bigger trades of the day, uh, we got two back-to-back, really. Um, J.G. Pajot is now an Islander. And the Senators brought in quite the haul. Um, they got a conditional first-round pick, which is top three protected for 2020. Um, it turns into a 2021st first-round pick if that pick is in the top three. Um, they got a second-round pick, and then they got a conditional third-round pick if the Islanders win the Cup, which, let's be honest, is probably not going to happen, so that's going to just get thrown out and not worried about all right, Mr. Senator, what what do you think about that one? I think as a Sens fan, it's going to be rough not seeing, I think, one of the better players for the Senators in the last six years not be a part of the squad. Absolutely. But I think if you're an Islanders fan, I think this is positive. I think this guy will fit the mold of Barry Trotz. I think he's a good 200-foot player that's going to put in some goals and also kill your penalties, and he's going to grind games down and I think if you go back to the, the playoffs a couple years back, um, he was a beast, and I think that's what they need. They need a game-changer that isn't Matthew Barzell. Oh, 100%. I, I yeah. agree, and they so signed him. Both, yes, they did, and I think both teams win the deal. I think it's fair. Ottawa needs the picks um, just the way that they're, they've been working, and then Peugeot, and then Peugeot will, will fit the mold. Yeah, I, just, I thought it was interesting that the uh... – uh, it was three picks initially, and I didn't see any conditions. I'm like, wow, that is a steal for the Senators. Mm-hmm. Then you add the conditions in, and it's like, okay, it's probably going to be two picks because I don't think the Islanders are winning the Cup this year. No. Who knows when it comes to playoff time? You sneak in, you really anything could really happen. You ride a hot goaltender, whatever. But mm-hmm. I was a little surprised uh, with that condition. But, I mean, getting a first and a second for a player who's having a career year, not bad. Like, it's smart business by the Senators on that one. Well, yeah, I think Dorian's just trying to stockpile, and if he has his way, he'll have the top five picks in every draft. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I think, uh, and I know that, I think we touched about this last week, but the Ottawa Senators just need to learn how to draft properly. Like, they have the pick capital, they just need to scout better. So let's see if, if they can take that, what they have, and turn it into something better. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, I like Pajot on the Islanders, so I think he could be a real game-changer there. Uh, moving on, the most confusing trade of the day, in my opinion, and like, yeah. I understand why they did it, but in the grand scheme of things, it still is just confusing why they did it now. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes pick up Vincent Trocek from the Florida Panthers for Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, 
Itu Lusterainen, I hope I said that right, and Chase Prisky. Two, the last two are obviously prospects. Um, in what can only be described as a cap dump for the Florida Panthers in the middle of the season in a playoff race. I, I don't I don't get the logic behind it now. Maybe later, maybe in the off season, you pull the cap dump. Uh, what? Why now? Like, what? What is? What is the difference now going to be? The only thing I can actually think of is Joel Quenville probably went over to Dale Talon and said, "I don't think this guy is the mold that I want. I don't think he's the player that I've wanted him to be." And if you're able to get something off of him now, I think this would be the best bet. I think that's the only logical sense. I, I don't I don't know how else to describe because they just gave away a very good centerman to a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. It essentially came down to a top six forward for a top nine forward. Yeah. Uh, top nine being Eric Halla, and the other three are just pieces. Like, Walmart could be a fourth-line player. I don't know if he's going to be much more than that in the NHL, which yeah. is fine. Like, dude, you made the NHL. Fuck, like, mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah, and I think it could just be the depth issue that the Panthers have been facing. They're, they're very top-heavy, but they haven't been uh, good for the third and fourth line. And yeah. aside from Nola Chari, that the bottom six hasn't been very No, good. absolutely. It's just, uh, I just don't get it. Like, Trocek is a good player. He's a very good player. And he's under $5 million a year. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't... The logic kind of baffles me a little bit, but... It does. Unless they're hoping for something big in the offseason or they're trying to get under the cap. I yeah. Um, the Flyers made a couple small trades, picking up Nate Thompson from the Canadians for a fifth-round pick and Derek Grant from the Ducks for forward Kyle Crisculo and a fourth-round pick. Um, picking up forward depth is never a bad thing, especially since the Flyers, I believe, are fighting for a playoff spot, aren't they? Uh, last time I checked, they were. I yeah. believe. I believe they are. But let me check. Let me just make sure about that. Yeah, they are. They're sitting second in the uh, Metro ahead of Pittsburgh. Mm. I just... They're, they're good trades. Like, they're, they're smart trades. You pick up a couple of small pieces. I don't, I don't have any problems with those. Um... Patrick Marlowe is now a Pittsburgh Penguin, and all Leafs fans are going to cry because we don't want to see him <laughs> rocking the Pens jersey, but I think everyone in the NHL would be happy if he won a cup. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anyone in the NHL who would be very, very disappointed that he won a cup. They might not like the team that he's going to win the cup with, but there's a chance that he could win a cup. No, but he's gone to a team that's known to win, and they're win-now mode. Yeah. I, I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. And that third-round pick becomes a second-round pick if Pittsburgh does win the Cup. So there's that. Which is a possibility. There's that. Um, Colorado and Toronto made a trade to send Calais Rosen back to the Toronto Maple Buds uh, in exchange for goaltender Michael Hutchison, which I'm okay with because Colorado has, like, you know, a half-decent defense core to be in front of Hutch that the Leafs... Let's be honest, did not. Nope. All year. <laughs> um, it's basically a safety because Grubauer's hurt, and Rosen played eight games. No. He was not part safe. of that Colorado defense corps. 
you know, so. it's a it's a hockey trade in the sense that yeah, Hutch needs a new scenery and and the Leafs need defense. Yeah, it's really all it is. Um, Sabers pick up Wayne Simmons for a conditional fifth round pick turns into a fourth round pick if they make the playoffs and Simmons plays ten games. Uh, Devils retain fifty percent of the five million salary cap hit of Simmons as well. Um, Richie, Nick Richie goes to the Bruins for Danton Heinen. I actually like that move more for the Ducks, but mm-hmm. it's that's sort of a toss up. That's it's sort of a toss up trade. They're both they're not top six players really, to be honest. No. So one player in, one player out. No, it's it's a it's a hockey trade in the sense, but if yeah. you're a Bruins fan and you've seen Danton Heinen play when Marchand's been injured, Pasternak's been injured, and he's been on the top line. Yeah, dude's an effective player, so I think the Ducks, uh, as young as they are, it, it would be a good environment for him. And Boston gets a running and heavy hit hitting, grinding sort of forward that they really lack uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's one of those things where they each saw something in a different player that they wanted, and they made the move. Oilers made a couple trades. Uh, first one with the Detroit Red Wings. They picked up speedster Andreas Athanasiu and Ryan Kuffner for Sam Gagne, a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick. Um, I really like that move for the Oilers, putting speed on McDavid's wing because Athanasiu has the ability to be a top-line winger. He hasn't had a whole lot of help in Detroit, which is fine. Like That's just where Detroit is, unfortunately. Um, now he gets to play alongside McDavid or Drysidel, depending on where they put him in the lineup. It looks like he's going to be playing with McDavid for now. For now, yeah. That is a scary combo. Good luck gonna, keeping up. Yeah, they're going to run circles around any defense pairing that they can play around. If they can get the matchup in in the playoffs, this line's going to be dangerous. Yeah. Um, and to add to that line, they went and traded with the Senators. <laughs> and picked up Tyler Ennis for a mere fifth-round pick. Another guy who can skate, yes. a so guy who can pass, and a guy who can fight in the corners, which yeah. might be a, a perfect fit on McDavid's wing. Um, Connor Sheary is headed back to the Penguins with Evan Rodriguez in exchange for Dominic Cahoon going towards the Sabres. Um I don't know exactly. Uh, I, I I like Cahoon a lot, but I understand why they made the move. Shiri's a hard nosed player. He plays it's well good. with yeah. Cross. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. It's a win now situation, and they they weren't really sure about Cahoon's ceiling. Like, yeah. is he gonna be what he is, but or better? Exactly. Yep. Uh, we still got a few more to go. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Carolina picks up Sammy Vatnin from the Devils for Yane Kukunen, Frederick Clayson, and a conditional 2024th round pick. New Jersey also retains 50% of Vatnin's salary. Uh, Carolina just wanted to boast their, boost their D because they also went out and picked up Brady Shea for a 2021st round pick. They will have the option of which first round pick to send to the Rangers because they also have Toronto's first round pick so they can either send their own or Toronto's uh, before the draft I guess it sort of depends on where everyone lands <laughs> Yeah, 
Um, that Carolina decor is scary now. Yeah. Like, like actually scary. They replaced two two of their better def- defenders for two very good defenders. It's a good two for two there. Yeah, like Sammy Vatnin needs to be in a better, can, like in a better playing environment. The guy can move the puck. The guy can skate. And if um, Carolina plays the way they did against the Leafs last weekend, yeah, um, he'll fit perfectly with his precise passing. Yeah, and he's on the IR right now. Um, yeah. which is what it is. But, but I think you have to take that risk, especially yeah. when Dougie's out for such a long time. Yeah, and Pesci. Mm-hmm. And Pesci. Right, they're both out. Um, so right now, like. Carolina Hurricanes currently have Dougie Hamilton, Sammy Vatanen, Brett Pesci, James Reimer, and Peter Mrazek out. So their goaltending duo is Alex Nedjelkovic and Anton Forsberg. See, I think that's the one speed bump for the the Hurricanes is not picking up a depth goaltender. Um, It might just be because Reimer's closer to coming back than we think. Mrazek's day-to-day, too. Okay. Yeah, so maybe they're hoping by next week these guys are back. Yeah, they could be. Um, But listen to the deep pairings. With those three names that I've already mentioned out, their deep pairings right now read Joel Edmondson, Jakob Slavin, Jake Gardner, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and Hayden Fleury and Brady Shea. They're still good. (laughs) It's still a very good decor. They have a better decor than the Leafs currently do. Well, the Leafs had five Marlies and a and Barry playing yesterday. They did. Or two Thursday, whatever day Thursday, they played. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever but, day they played. But it, it, this is a good problem to have if you're the Hurricanes. If they get into the playoffs, that defensive depth is so important. Yeah. Um, I think if you go back to 2007, the Ducks when they won, they had nine defensemen. Yeah. Like that's the importance of there. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it's very easy to figure out who comes out as the three guys come back. It's not hard, right? Like Hayden Fleury is the first one to drop, which isn't a bad thing. The guy's what, like twenty one? Yeah. Like that's not that's not a bad problem to have. Um, and then you got Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Jake Gardner who can probably drop out too. You're not probably not gonna drop Shea. I wouldn't think. I know he's playing on your third line, but I don't think he's the one to go no, um, when you bring either. in Hamilton, Vatanen, and Pesci. So it'll be interesting. I think mm-hmm. it's a good, as you said, it's a good problem to have. Um, one of the more surprising deals of the day, in my opinion, just because I didn't, I really didn't see it coming, was the Golden Knights picked up goaltender Robin Leonard from the Chicago mm-hmm. Blackhawks in exchange for Malcolm Subban. Slava Demon and a 2020 second round pick. Pittsburgh's 2020 second round pick, by the way, not Vegas's. Um, to complete the deal, hold on, I just have to find the other half of it. Um, the Leafs made a trade with the Golden Knights and sent Martin's Zirkles to Vegas for a fifth round pick. And Toronto retained a portion of Robin Leonard's contract as part of a three team trade. Which, I'm not really sure why the Leafs did that. But either way, like, Vegas just solidified their goaltending for the next few years. Well, yeah, if Leonard resigns. If he resigns. If he resigns. Which, he might. He might. But we didn't see either. I don't think we saw 
the king uh, the knights go after another goaltender right like i don't think that was something we talked about no so because uh, we we, we both we them. both know that flurry is good but yeah. it's never a bad idea to have a really good backup too <laughs> no and i think the idea comes down to and he got a shutout last night i think so yes he uh, did because i got great fantasy no, or not last night it was uh wednesday or thursday it wasn't last night no okay but if you look at it i think the mindset for the knights was when flurry played in pittsburgh it was murray and flurry and being able to go back and forth and having yeah dependency on two very good netminders yeah. i think this shores them up and it makes them automatically jump to the top in the pacific as the team to beat because easily this team could go to the third round with what they have yeah, based conference the, final. Based yeah. on the way the conferences are, or the divisions are set up. Oh yeah, no, I agree, hundred um, percent. The the more confusing thing here is I don't understand why the Leafs jumped in. Um, banking, I, good karma. I don't know. I I don't know, but like it it still doesn't make sense to be like we don't have money, but hey, we'll take your money because we're the Leafs. Like I don't I don't get it. No, I, I it's. Again, the only reason that I can think of is they're banking good, good karma. Like that's literally it. Yeah. Which means nothing, by the way, in the NHL. No. Just saying. Yeah. What are they gonna do, like in the in the draft, and go, hey, so since we took money from you, can we have March Stone for free? Like what? I don't know. It still perplexes me. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. There's been two, two, I think two trades that are a little question mark right beside them as to why the team did what they did. But hey. The Knights got better, and Chicago got away with, like, they got rid of a contract. Yeah, that, that's really what it comes down to. Um, a lot of minor deals. Uh, Devin Short of the Blue Jackets for Sonny Milano. Uh, Louis Deming is now a Canuck, and Zane McIntyre is now a Devil. Uh, Corbinian Holzer. Remember that name? Yeah, well done. Uh, he is now a Predator. Uh, the Ducks pick up Matt Irwin in a six, 2022 sixth-round pick for him. Christian Juice is on his way to Anaheim from Washington for Daniel Sprong. Nick Cousins is now a Knight heading from Montreal to to Vegas in exchange for good a 2021 pickup. fourth. Very good pickup for the Knights. Yes. Um, Question mark on the on the Canadians doing that. I just don't think he fit the system, which is fine. Like shit happens. Um, Marcus Hanakainen is now a Arizona Coyote, and the Blue Jackets pick up a conditional 2027th round pick for him. Nathan Noel is a Flyer. Chicago gets TJ Brennan. Eric Gustafson is heading to the Flames in exchange for a 2023rd round pick going to Chicago. Uh, they will receive the earlier of the Calgary two third round picks. So whichever one's earlier in the round, not bad. Um, the Leafs trade Jordan Schmaltz to the Islanders for forward Matt Larido. Again, minor minor deals here. Just trying to read them all off. Uh, Angus Redman, the goaltender from Anaheim, is now an Oiler as well as a 2022 seventh round pick uh, in exchange for Joel Person. Pearson Persons. You never know with how those are spelled. And then Brandon Davidson is a San Jose Shark in exchange for future considerations player to be named later or money we'll find out uh, but the only trade left that we didn't talk about was the lightning made one move and I am perplexed 
as to why they sent a first-round pick back the other way. But the Lightning get Barclay Goudreau and a third-round pick in exchange for a 2020 first-round pick in forward Anthony Greco. I like Goudreau. Don't get me wrong. Goudreau is not worth a first-round pick. No. But? Does, does he have term? I think, was it because he had term? That is a good question. I, I didn't. I did not think about that, but. Well, because they paid the first, um, first round pick for Blake Coleman because of the term, and yes, he signed uh, into next year as well, at a less than a million dollars. So I think he it's just to keep them under the cap with the very good, hard nosed player. That's fair. I just, I don't know. First, first round, round pick, pick just seems like a lot. Sense to me, I would have probably gone second or third, but it, I mean. What's the market like? We we talked about this last week as well. What is first round pick worth at that time? Um, I still don't know. And if if it's yeah, and if you're if you're Tampa Bay, uh, no, you're right. But if you're Tampa Bay and you expect to win the cup, that's a thirty first first round pick. Like it'll. Yeah, I just. I don't know. Whatever. I. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what picks are worth anymore. Not that I knew before, but... No, but you had a better sense of being like, that guy's worth the first. Now you're like, okay, Goudreau's worth the first. All right. Goudreau's worth the first, and Patrick Marlowe... Or Wayne Simmons is worth a conditional fifth-round pick. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And J.G. Pajot is worth three picks. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's what you're willing to pay, and... It is. It's just just crazy to me. Like, I just don't get it. And then you're using a first-round pick to dump salary or dump a player that you don't. Okay, but like I, I, I understand I, that concept. Yes. More than a player for a pick straight up, it's just like what? <laughs> I'm only saying that there's so many different ways to use that first-round pick, but this one just confuses me. Yeah, because like we saw earlier, as you and we talked about last week, Andre Kasha to the Bruins, they sent mm-hmm. Backus, Axel Anderson, and a first-round pick in order to dump that Backus contract. Or yes. 75% of that Bacchus contract because they retain right. 25. Right. That makes sense there. That makes sense. I get that. That makes sense. Even better, that forward that the Lightning picked up, they picked him up on the, uh, the 20th. So he was with the Lightning for a grand total of four days. Uh, Anthony Greco? Yeah. They picked him up <laughs> from the Florida Panthers for Der- uh, Danik Martell. Oh. Okay. Just a few days before the, tr- the trade deadline. Yeah. So. I don't know what the Lightning are doing. They're going to try to win. That's all we know. Oh, 100%. So, big question here. Mm-hmm. Which team do you think won deadline day? I know I didn't pose this to you before. Now you have to actually think. Boom. No, no, no. No, I have my two teams. Oh, okay, good. Uh, I already wrote this down because I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> um, I, I, think it's, I think the Oilers got better. 100%. And I think the Hurricanes got better. Minus the fact, like, if I'm going to give them a grade, I'm giving the Oilers an A, and I'm giving the Hurricanes an A- minus only because they didn't uh, fill that goalie depth. That's about it. But yeah, I, but neither of the goalies are supposed to miss playoffs. No. Both of them are supposed to be back. It just depends on how long. Like, because Mrazek is the one who got clotheslined, right, by Clifford? Yes. yes. Again, by the way, still have no problem with the play. 
from a hockey and I, from a hockey standpoint. Yeah. No problem with the play. I know a lot of people were up in arms saying that the Leafs are a dirty team. No, they're Clifford, not the least dirtiest team. Clifford, can, no, no, they make stupid plays. Don't get me wrong, but mm. that was not one of them. I think no, Clifford his head was down. He saw the puck. He, there was no intention. Exactly. But, so, but I think if the Canes, even though they know Reimer and Mrazek should be back for the playoffs, I think a guy like Hutch would have been someone to maybe go after just to yeah. fill in that piece. I don't know. Maybe. I think they should assign David Ayers. <laughs> the guy's making publicity, guys. He's Dude. making money. Dude, Doing that guy has been everywhere. Shout out to my classmate Lucas Weiss. Uh, got to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame yesterday and uh, see David Ayers put the stick in the display case. It's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, uh, those are the two teams that I, I, I really think won. What about you? Uh, my winner was the Oilers. Um, prior to the Mike Green injury, I thought that was a very smart trade. Uh, didn't give up a whole lot to pick up a third-pairing defenseman. They gave up Kyle Brodziak, who wasn't even playing, really, and a conditional fourth-round pick. And then they went out and made two very, very smart forward moves and didn't give up anything, really. Like, no. gave up two second-round picks, which in the second it's round it's... basically a first. No, no but it's like second-round picks can either be really good, like you're going to find a diamond in the rough at that point, or mm-hmm. they're just going to be depth players anyway. Um, and then they gave up a fifth-round pick as well, which... <laughs> fifth round you really don't know and they gave up Sam Gagne and they got that contract off the books yeah. right Person. and they yeah, picked up is. Ennis and Athanasiu which adds speed adds a little bit of grit right to a lineup that n- now like if you look at that the line combinations they're a pretty dangerous team like I, I'm, I'm going to pull them up right now and right now they have Ennis McDavid and Athanasiu playing on that top line that's a lot of speed it's a lot of skill with McDavid and Athanasiu, and Ennis can score the goals when he needs to, right? He's not like he's not a scrub. That's that's a very solid group, right? But you look at you also look at that line. They're not afraid to go into the corners. No, which is not at all super important. Super not at all, David. Like you want to protect McDavid, you don't have to. The guy's gonna go in, get the puck, and move out. Yeah, and then you move down the lineup, and I know right now they have. Um, Neil's hurt, Kyler Yamamoto's hurt, um, and Cassian was out, right? But you add those three to Nuge, Dreisaitl, Riley Shahan, um, Archibald, Alex Chason. That forward group's pretty good. They got better. Right? They're not, they're not the best in the league, don't get me wrong, but it's a dangerous group a lot of different skill sets there and especially when you add casting and neil back in they could be dangerous especially in a playoff run where all you need is some puck luck they're gonna get puck luck so i don't know i will be i will be interested to see how that kind of plays out um i think they did the most on trade deadline day I also liked what the Canadians did. I think they did a good job. I do, as you said, Carolina as well. But if I'm picking one team that won, actually, I'm also going to throw in, I do like what the Ottawa Senators did. In the grand scheme, 
of things, picking up a bunch of picks, trying to get contracts off books. I think they did a good job. Obviously, you hate to see big-name players like Paggio leave, but I think they did a good job. Yeah. Um, and they stockpiled one, two, three, four, five. They had like 15 to 18 picks or something like that. Ridiculous amount. They picked up five picks on deadline day, as well as, uh, I think it was Matthew, Matthew Pekka? Matthew yeah, Pekka. Matthew Pekka, who's has the ability to play. Like he's not, he's played not going to well be an AHL stalwart, but he, no, but he played really well on Thursday. He did. His assignments were good. Yeah, um, and they shut down the Canucks. Yeah, so. I think they did well too, but again, I, if I'm picking one team that wanted, in my opinion, it's got to be the Oilers. Of course. Um, so that'll do it for our kickoff segment. As always, it is sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Please make sure you follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And if you want more information, visit their website, CanadaKickingAcademy.com. Gabe and Dan are two great kickers, and they want to help you guys get better. So take a look over there. Let's move across the pond, buddy. Yeah. Across the pond. I'll, I'll give you dealer's choice. You want to do Europa or Champs? You want to do Europa. All right. So, Europa League. The only thing that United might still be able to win. <laughs> as we cry ourselves to sleep. Um, round of 32 is now complete. We have our round of 16 draws, but let's look back at the round of 32 before we get too far ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to run through them all. If you hear a game that you are interested in talking about, please stop me. Okay? Yeah, let's do it. But I'm going to run through them all. Uh, Rangers beat Braga 1-0 in the second leg to take a 4-2 aggregate win. Roma and Ghent drew 1-1, but Roma goes through with a 2-1 aggregate. Uh, Jonathan David, Canadian striker, scored in that game against Roma. He has 10 goals in his last eight matches for Ghent. He is now worth approximately, because they do a rough estimate of how much each player is worth, he's roughly worth 21 million uh, euros. Euros. Well, yeah, but good good week, I think, for Canadian soccer. Oh, 100%. We'll get, we'll get further yes. on. Yes, Um Wolfsburg. Absolutely killed Malmo in Malmo. Uh, 3-0 to take a 5-1 aggregate win. Lask, who I've never heard of before, I'll be honest, uh, beat AZ Alkmaar uh, 2-0 to win 3-1 on aggregate. Basel, 1-0 win, gives them a 4-0 victory on aggregate over Applewell. Byron Leverkusen beat Porto 3-1 in leg two for a 5-2 aggregate. Um, Istanbul, oh my goodness, Basasir Sehir. Oh, I butchered that. I apologize. Won uh, 4-1 on the day, Jesus. including an extra time winner to go through 5-4 on aggregate over Sporting uh, CP from Portugal. Uh, Espanyol managed to win 3-2 after being down 4-0 in the first leg, but unfortunately was not enough to knock Wolves off. Wolves advanced 6-3 on aggregate. Shakhtar, Donetsk, and Benfica drew 3-3 on the day, but Donetsk heads through 5-4 on aggregate. Inter Milan with a 2-1 win over Lud Ludogorets uh, gives them a 
one aggregate victory in that draw. United decided to learn how to play footy and came out with an absolutely killer 5-0 home victory to take a 6-1 aggregate win after drawing the first leg. Um, Olympiacos stuns Arsenal with a 2-1 victory to go through on away goals on 2-2. I'm surprised by that one, but whatever. Um, Sevilla and CFR Cluj drew 0-0. Sevilla goes through on away goals after a 1-1 draw in the first leg. Copenhagen knocks off the uh, Irish... Or the sorry Scottish, Scottish Giants Celtic three one on the day to take a four two aggregate win. Ajax is out two one. They won on the day over Getafe, but unfortunately not enough as Getafe won the first leg two nil at home. And then the last one for some reason played on Friday, and I don't know why. Uh, but Frankfurt and Salzburg tied two two, but Frankfurt will go through six three on. Aggregate. A lot of information there. Anything you wanted to point out? Uh, can we say Arsenal's excuse is they're transitioning, and that's why they lost? I don't know. Um, I'm trying to give them an excuse. That was unfortunate. It was. And now, granted, Olympiacos is a good team. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a little just. I'm just a little surprised by it because Arsenal has been notoriously good defensively at home this year. They struggle on the road mightily. Mm-hmm. Um, but to give up two goals to Olympiacos at home yeah, after being yeah. up 1-0. Don't forget that they were up 1-0 going into the leg for, on aggregate. It's a little disappointing for them. Yeah. Uh, the other one I'm surprised with is the Ajax one. Agreed. Because yeah. they had a pretty good year last year, didn't they? They did, but I think they lost their two best players. Yeah, but that system I still thought was going to be good. Uh, whatever. But, no, they shouldn't. I, I, last year's Cinderella story loses round of 16. I think it's just the year. Round of, It's round of 32. Oh, sorry, round of 32. Thank you. It's round of 32 in Europa. It's round yeah. of 16 in Champions League. I'll no, give no, you that. I, I, I brain fart. We're now in the round of 16, and the draw has been completed. So the matchups are as follows. United play Lask. United gets the second game at home. Basel at Frankfurt. Basel gets the second game at home. Uh, Roma-Sevilla. Roma gets the second game at home. Copenhagen-Istanbul. I'm not going to say that again. Uh, Copenhagen gets the second game at home. Getafe and Inter Milan. Getafe gets the second game at home. Shakhtar-Wolfsburg. Shakhtar, second game at home. Leverkusen-Rangers. Leverkusen gets the second game at home. And Wolves, Olympiacos. So Olympiacos gets another chance to knock off an English squad. Uh, Wolves gets the second game at home. Any matchups really jump out at you? I have a couple of my own, but I want to hear what you have to say first. I like the Sevilla-Roma matchup. I think it's going to be fun. It's one of mine for sure, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, on the onset, I I think the Wolves-Olympiacos matchup will be good, especially with the way Olympiacos played in Arsenal and the way Wolves for some reason, have awoken. Yeah. Like, fantastic job. So um, those were my two matchups. Fair uh, enough. Actually, you know what? I'll t- toss in a third. Frankfurt and um, Basel will be a good matchup too. Yeah. Um, it- it'll show us what Frankfurt can do against 
Basil, who's been consistent in Europa. See, I'm very happy you didn't pick one of my two that I, I'm keeping an eye on. Obviously, no, obviously I'm keeping an eye on the United one, but that's not really a big matchup in my eyes. Mm. Um, the two that I am interested in are the Inter Milan-Getafe, mm. seeing how the Italian team does going to Getafe in the second leg will be interesting. I'm also interested to see how this Shakhtar Donetsk Wolfsburg matchup goes. Um, I like both teams, but so far this year, uh, I think I actually think Shakhtar might have the better squad yeah. overall. Just sort of hard to say, but like in terms of the entire Europa. Just in between, no, like, the better overall squad between oh. these two teams. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, yeah, you have one of those feelings, right? So. Yeah, Schechter just is able to grind. Yeah. Uh, out games in Europe, like, we've seen them in Champions League. We've seen them in yeah. Europe. So. And Inter, I'm, I'm very curious to see how they play in Spain, right? They were, they were okay when they went to Barcelona this past year. Um, so you're right, that second leg will be interesting but yeah if they can have a substantial lead going into the second leg I, I think they have this wrapped up yeah that's that's pretty much what my thought is right now so we'll see how that plays out um yeah we'll keep an eye on the Europa League obviously we're, we're gonna do what we can and we'll go from there switching gears we go now to the big competition big competition it's bigger than Europa <laughs> um, first legs of the round of 16 are completed most of the draws went how we thought they were going to but I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight two that I was severely surprised by uh, the first one being Lyon over Juventus now it was in Lyon. So Juventus now has the home game. But they're now down 1-0 heading into that match. That's going to be an interesting second leg. The other one is Atletico. The new owners of a CPL team decided that they were going to play Liverpool to a 1-0 victory. At home, where they normally play really well, which is what we actually talked about. You and me. I know I remember mentioning it. Yes. That Madrid plays very, very well at home. Yes. Now Liverpool has to go back home and win by one goal. Or by at least one goal in order to push extra time. Yes. That'll be interesting to see how that Liverpool squad responds. I think they can do it. Don't get me wrong. Well, I, I, again, I still think Liverpool is the winner this year if everything goes the way it should. What that means, I don't know. <laughs> um, other matchups: Dortmund over PSG at home, two one. Paris picks up the very, very important away goal. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I still think Dortmund wins that matchup. Don't at me. I don't care. It's uh, my opinion. You can at me. I agree too. <laughs> I'll take the brunt. Don't at me. I don't care. No, I just don't care. If you at me, I don't care. <laughs> it's, my opinion deal with it if you want to if you want to have a conversation about it i'm happy to have a conversation but don't come at me like we're going to have an argument because i don't care enough to have an argument 
Um, Atalanta with a 4-1 victory over Valencia in Milan. Um, I'm not sure if I'm surprised by that. I'm not. Like, I feel like I should be because it's Atalanta. <laughs> but I, I'm not. Like, I, sh- I, I, I just feel like in my head I should be. You know, I was, I was like, oh, it's Atalanta. They, they're not good. Um, they sit fourth in the Serie A. Which means nothing. And, no, but they, but they've also been four zero and one in the last five games. So they've had yeah. a very good. Yep. Yeah, like they've been good. Um, Los Ches haven't been good at all this year. So sitting in eighth, and I mean, technically, if you were thinking Valencia from five, six, seven years ago, you're like, oh, that shouldn't happen. But yeah, no, I know. I just again, I, I I think it's more not the Valencia part. I think it's more the Atalanta part that's throwing me off. But whatever. Um, Tottenham lost at home one nil to Red Bull Leipzig. I I said it when we talked about these matchups before. Yep. That Red Bull could be the surprise team in the Champions League. I think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> After the first leg, it looks like they're gonna go home pretty confident. And Tottenham now has to play from behind, which is a tough thing to do going into Germany in any of those stadiums because those stadiums are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, Marie already said, well, we have injuries. Eh, it is what it is. And that's fine. So, I, and I get that. And you know what? They do have injuries. They have had a lot of injuries this year, Tottenham, that, that have affected their squad rotation. There's no doubt about it. No, for sure. You've lost your two best players. Yeah. It's tough. It's all. They they made it to the round of sixteen. Four English squads made it to the round of sixteen. Can't really complain too much about that. I don't know how many of them are still going to be there after the round of sixteen. <laughs> Think two of them might. Um, speaking of English squads, <laughs> where's Kyle? Kyle's enjoying time in Vancouver right now. Um, but man, his team forgot how to play footy. They got dismantled by an absolutely brilliant display from Bayern. Yeah, very, very good game. I ended up watching that. At Stamford Bridge. Yes. Um, you mentioned Canadians. I'll let you take this one. Go. Well, before I get into Alfonso Davies, okay. I just have to say Martin Tyler say Davis instead of Davies the entire game. They do that on um, FIFA too. Have you, if you have yeah, played the I FIFA twenty game, it's really yeah, annoying. They do. It is, and it's I'm like, annoying. come on, guys. He full on set. Anyway, I digress. It's actually um, funny if you listen to some of the highlights. He says Davies, and then some of them he says Davis, which is really annoying. Yeah, because it was the, whoever was sitting beside him kept saying Davis the whole time, and they kept going whatever. Um, anyway, fantastic game. The guy was an absolute beast on the left hand side, defensively sound, offensively great. Um, did you get a chance to see the the third goal there with Lewandowski? Yeah, when he when he pushed the ball forward, got a back heel, uh, beat yeah. two players, and then pushed it past Christensen. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. So, <laughs> so technically, he beat four Chelsea players down that left flank. Fantastic. Now, I'll give Christensen a little credit because Christensen's running at him, trying to make that first tackle, and if he makes that first tackle, that entire play is is dead. Yes. But if he doesn't try to make that tackle. He's, he's stuck anyway. Like, he's in no man's land, unfortunately, just the way the play sort of evolved. So, Christensen did what he could. As a defender, I probably would have made the same play. Yeah. Well, I think he might have been the best out of the four that Davies went around. Yeah, the other... The two that he walked through 
uh, on the fr- on his first touch after the back heel was a joke. I'm like, someone's got to put a foot in. I don't He's care. Put a foot in. Down. Yeah, you would you would assume so, but um, collectively a very good game by Bayern. Um, they are, I think, the third best team position to win the Champions League, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, but fantastic job in the Canadian sense that we have two very good Canadian players right now scoring some goals uh, or playing well, Davies and Jonathan David. Yep. I mean, I can keep going about how fantastic these guys are and how great it looks for Canadian soccer. And Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, I'm, again, obviously I'm a little biased, but the Canadian system is getting better. The fact that we have these two balling out in Europe right now is insane. Mm-hmm. And they're worth every game. Yeah. Right. They're balling out. Like it's 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 crazy. I I love it. Um and I think for the Canadian system with the CPL doing what it did in the in its first year um we're looking at a boom in Canadian soccer yeah there's no doubt about it in my mind um yeah young Canadian players are seeing internationals do well it isn't just Dwayne D. Rosario for us it's yeah exactly a very good list of players and no knock on Dwayne but no, Dwayne did great, but he was limited to what where he could play. That was the problem. Um, but there's a there's a great website, Transfer Market. Um, I highly recommend people who want who like soccer and like following players uh, look it up. They are the ones who do a very good job of evaluating how much a player might be worth in the market right now. To put it into perspective. Uh, Alfonso Davies is currently listed at a 44 million they have a million dollar uh, market value I don't know if that's Canadian or American I'm assuming it's American because it's a US site Uh, Jonathan Davids at 22 million which is about right Um, but a bunch of players are coming up and coming up fast for the Canadians Um, Jonathan Osorio uh, and Lucas Cavallini are both listed at 4.95 mil, which is unheard of for Canadians, by the way. Yeah. Kyle Lahren's at 4.4. Um, Junior Hoylet's one of the few people that is going down in value, but he's also 29, and he's at 3.85. Uh, Milan Borjan is 3.85, the keeper from... Um, frick, what team is that? I got it. Hold on. Uh, Mark Anthony K is listed at 3.3. Uh, Borian plays for Red Star Belgrade. That's it. I knew I would find it, figure it out. Uh, that's in the Serbian first tier. Um, you have a bunch of players that are just on the rise, which is so, so good and so valuable to a lot of Canadians around around the country just to be able to cheer players on. Right, like, yeah. super important. It's good for the game, and I'm happy for it. Exactly, it really, really is. And 
I'm excited to see where this Canadian team can go. Obviously, we have the chance to play in the 2026 World Cup. We have we still technically have a chance to qualify for the um, 2022, 2022 World yeah. Cup because we're not out of the hex yet. Um, let me just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna check something. Give me a second. Yeah, no problem. But um, I think if we give ourselves another five years, that market's gonna boom. Like it's getting there. Yeah. And I'm excited for it for sure. Yeah. So the way the hex is working this year, it's the top six teams based off the FIFA Coca-Cola World Ranking. Whatever. Um are going to make the hex, which gives them a chance to qualify for the World Cup. Canada is currently 7th, 4 spots back of El Salvador. in So, 7th in CONCACAF. But overall, we're ranked 73rd, 4 spots back of El Salvador, who are 6th in CONCACAF. Um, but we're only 14 points behind El Salvador in like the world ranking system which is very confusing by the way good luck trying to figure it out it took me like a month and a half to fully understand what was happening I exaggerate a little obviously but um, they're not out of it they, there is still a chance that Canada qualifies for the hex and a chance to qualify for the Olympics Mexico US are the most likely to coming out right now, but after that you have Costa Rica who I think right now we can compete with you have Jamaica again, who I think we can compete with, Honduras and El Salvador like I don't think we're out of it if we get into that hex well if you take the positive notes from the USA game, I think I think there's so much potential. There's so much to look at. And I think we can be the third or fourth best team in CONCACAF in a couple of years. Potentially. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a outlandish statement. Okay. If the Canadian system keeps growing the way it has, and players like Davies and David are going to be over in Europe and a couple more will probably follow. Like I can see Mark Anthony K making that jump very soon. The LAFC player. Mm-hmm. And a couple others that are coming through the system. I would not be surprised if we catch the US. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the, a fair... the only reason is because the US I think is on the downturn and we are currently up. And, and climbing. So I think mm-hmm. after the 2022 World Cup, if the U.S. doesn't figure it out, which they might, don't get me wrong, there's there's a very real possibility that what I'm saying is useless in the end. But if the U.S. can't figure it out, there is a chance that we might pass them at some point in the rankings in the next four years. Possibility. Realistically, I think top three, top four would be. Oh, top three, I think, is more than realistic. But yeah, yeah, that's that. I I like I like the direction Canada soccer is going for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Just trust me. I 
I haven't liked where the Canada soccer's going before. Um, All right. Should we talk about the City Madrid matchup? Yeah, you want to talk about the City Madrid matchup? Absolutely, man. Yeah, I know I, I sure. sort of skipped that one. Uh, we also no, missed Barca tied Napoli in Naples. 1 1. Um, fantastic defensive work by Napoli around Messi. I don't know how long they can keep that up, but um, great job containing them for the first leg. Uh, but again, that away goal for Barcelona is going to, they're going to win. Um, yeah. Uh, quickly about City, if you don't mind. Um, yep, hit it. I don't think neither. Like, I watched the entire game, and neither of the teams looked lethal with the ball at their feet. I think just City had the the momentum when they had the ball a little bit more. They were able to force Madrid into making mistakes, and yep. I think if you're going to pinpoint something in Madrid, is they haven't replaced Ronaldo, obviously, um, and they lacked any sort of creativity coming up in that midfield. Um, Bale came in way too late, personally, and Modric... I don't know what he was doing, but he just didn't look good. Yeah. And um, the other, sorry, the third thing would be uh, Kareem Benzema was coming so deep into the midfield that entire game to receive the ball that there was nobody in the box when they needed to make a cross. There's nobody. So a City win this tie, I think, but it's going to go to penalties because Madrid's not going to play flat. But it wasn't, I don't know, I expected more from both teams. But Yeah, no, that's completely fair um city i think is just reeling from the ban that was laid on them which is pretty tough i get that um they got a motivation to win this year they they have they kind of have to win this year to end up keeping players like realistically i think no, they Leroy, have no, to right like leroy signing will be the first one out that door that's for many other reasons, though, so it's fine. No, I know, but uh, but this is like, this would be like <laughs> here is a little drop that's going to overfill my cup. You're done. Um, yeah. No, but I, 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 you're right. Like they, they have to win now. They're appealing this two-year ban. We'll see what happens. Um, realistically, this is their year. Make it a break. They have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, to healthy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of plays out. I think City still win the draw. I'm agreeing with you on that one. Because now they're going home. They only need to... All they have to do is draw or win. They don't have... They they can... They can... They can realistically lose 1-0. Yeah. And still go through. But... We'll see how that plays out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to quickly mention about footy or... Unless you want to predict the rest of the winners. I think we already did that. We've pretty much already done it, but yeah, we'll run through quickly. Um, I think Liverpool bounces back. Yes. Agreed. Dortmund. I want to say Dortmund holds on. I think it's 2-2 in Paris. 2-2 in Paris? I think it's 2-2 in Paris. So they win the draw, Dortmund. They win the the draw, yes. Okay. I don't see Valencia overcoming a three-goal deficit. No, don't. I don't see it happening. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Atalanta probably is going through. It'll be a draw in Spain, I think. Um, I think Leipzig goes through. I already said that one. See, I go the opposite on you. I think I don't know why, but I think Spurs wins too. No, you're wrong. 
I'm good. I, I, that's okay. I'll take it. At me. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, there's no way Chelsea comes back from a 3-0 deficit going into Bayern. Not a chance. No, they're going to get smashed in Germany. Uh, Barcelona going home, I think, will win that draw. Uh, Juve, I think, going home will also pull out the win there. Oh, yeah. But you never they know were, with the way Juve were, plays. Yeah, they were flat in France because they couldn't break Lyon down. And Diabala had the ball a little bit too much, I think. That's um, fair. But Juve go home and win in turn. Yeah. And then we already said the City. Yeah. One. Um. Okay. So Very good. We finished that, yeah. Very good. Um, quickly, if you don't yes. mind, I would like no, to let's do it. make it quick. Let's do it. I want to talk about the Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, are unreal. They have probably one of they have one of the best coaches in the league, who has done stuff with a team that has been hurt. All season. Like, realistically, let's look at the roster. I'm going to read off players. Tell me who hasn't missed games due to injury. Okay, ready? Terrence okay. Davis. He, he has not. Oh, he has not? Okay. Or he missed one or two. I think he missed a game. But... OG Ananobi. Uh, I think he's missed a game. He's missed games. Okay. Chris Boucher, I'm pretty sure, has not missed games. So good for him. Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet. Missed. Lowry. Missed. Ibaka. Uh, I think he missed. Oh, missed. yes, he did, because he was out for nine games in a row at one point. Um, yeah. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I'm not sure if he's missed yeah, games, he's I'll be out. honest. But, whatever. I think uh, he did. Norm Powell. He's. He's missed. Marc Gasol. He's missed. Oh, he's out right now. He's out right now. Patrick McCaw. He's missed yeah, games. He's yeah. Right? And then I'm going to read off the rest of these names because I, I don't think many of them have missed games, but just hear me out. Um, Matt Thomas, Malcolm Miller, O'Shea Brissett, who's on a two-way contract, by the way, Stanley Johnson, Dewan Hernandez, and Paul Watson, who I don't remember ever playing in a game. No, I think Matt Thomas and... Um Who's the other one that you said? Brissett were injured for a game or something like that? Yeah. So, somehow, (laughs) this team, who have been pretty much all hurt, is currently sitting second in the Eastern Conference at a record of 42-17. and They lost two starters from last season. Oh, by the way, I just realized that Dewan Hernandez is hurt and has been out since December 16th. Forgot about that. They're not healthy, yep. They are not healthy. But you're right, back onto the point that they, they've they lost their two best players, or not two best players, but their two starters. They lost two starters from last season who averaged 26.6 points and 10.3 points each, mm-hmm. including, where are the assist totals? Here we go. Uh, 3.3 assists and 1.6 assists. Um, and they combined 11 rebounds. That's pretty good production that you now have to fill. It's about 40 points per night? Yeah. On average? About 40 points. That's, that's about right. 
And yet, they have a, I believe, a better record than they did last year at this point. Using some very interesting lineups, using some different tactics pretty much every game. Pascal Siakam has taken a step forward like everyone expected. He he was averaging 16.9 points per game last year. 3.1 assists, 6.9 rebounds this season. And while still playing 31.9 minutes, by the way. This season he's playing 35.1 minutes, so up about 3.5, let's say. We'll round it a little bit. He is averaging 23.7 points, so that's a 7-point increase. He is up about a half a rebound to 7.5 and about a half an assist to 3.4. He took a step. He took a step. Right? Let's see. Who else? Who else can we point out may have taken a step? How about Mr. Fred Van Vliet? Averaging 11 points per game last season while only playing 27 minutes. Give him a little bit of extra time. He's now averaging almost 18 points a season. Or a game. A season. Jesus. Only 18 points in a season would not be good. Um, But it's it's incredible just to see how this team has stepped up and played in different systems all season. Which, by the way, might also be a bad thing considering how many different systems they've played. But they yeah. they look good. They look fun to watch. I think everyone has that winning mentality in them now. Yeah. They know what it takes to get there, and they're not afraid to play around with their system. Um, they knew they were going to miss 40 points a night, and I think if you divide up those 40 points amongst whoever's left, it's been covered. Yeah. You've had uh, Hollis and Jefferson. Sorry, I can't ever say his name. Hollis Jefferson. Thank you. Um he stepped up, you know, he's come in and he's done a good job. Uh, Chris Boucher's done a good job. It's, it's not just, you know, you expect Van Vliet, Lowry, Gasol, Siakam to make that jump. Ibaka. To an extent, Ibaka, but you look at their bench players and they're like, Nurse said this in the beginning, if you're not ready to play, I'm not playing you. And these guys are proving that they're ready to go. They're contributing a couple of points every night. Um, this Raptors team is legit and they can make it. Yeah. But just take this in. They've played 69 games this year. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to read off the number of games players have played. Through 69. Remember that. This is the key number. 69. Lowry has played in 47. Van Viet has played in 48. Siakam has played in 48. OG, who's on the higher end, has played in 58. Powell has played in 39. Gasol has played in 35. Ibaka's played in 47. McCaw's played in 32. Hollis Jefferson has played in 47. Terrence Davis, who leads the team in games played, has played in 59. Chris Boucher has played in 51. Matt Thomas has played in 28. O'Shea Brissett has played in 19. Malcolm Miller, 24. Stanley Johnson, 19. No one is above the sixty point or sixty game mark on a team that's played sixty nine games. They have been decimated with injuries, and yet they are still in second in the conference. Now they're way back of 
the Bucks, but yeah, but is the Bucks are on a whole different plane this year. Yep, the Bucks have already clinched the playoff spot. Oh yeah, they're the only team to have clinched the playoff spot. But in comparison to the teams in the West, in the West, Toronto's forty-two and seventeen. That would currently place them in second in the West. The Lakers are the only team who have more wins than them in the West, and they have 45 wins. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just... And, tell- and the Lakers have been healthy, right? For the most part, yeah. For the most part, but again, you're, I, I think we'll end up comparing conferences at that point, but the Raptors have done enough to be where they are, and they haven't been healthy. Like, I'm so excited to see what happens when everyone's back. I'm totally wrong. We're going to have to go back. I just realized the Raptors only played 59 games. So that's my fault. So we've had two, but they've only had two players who've played, or three players who have played 50 games. Yeah, okay. I just can't count. That's okay. Um, I didn't even catch that. It's fine. But in comparison, the Lakers have played 57 games. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players who have played in at least 50 games out of 57. And then they also have one, two, three, four guys who have played in 40 more games. So they have 10 guys who have played in 40 or more games. Makes a difference. It does make a difference. Makes a difference. So excited to see that. The only caveat I think with the Raptors this year is beating teams over 500. That is one thing I think um, which will improve when they're healthy but I think it's just put a little question mark beside it to see if they can they play, so I was looking at the rest of their schedule the next 10, like they play 10 out of their 23 games against teams over 500, yeah. something along those lines so I think realistically it might go down to 5-5 five and five, but if they can come out eight and two in those games, and those two losses might be against the Bucks because the Bucks are on a different world, but um, no, but like, I, I just want to see that change is playing a little bit better against teams above five hundred. And there's only uh, a total of five other teams in the East and seven teams in the West that are above five hundred. So, so you mean half? Half or less, but. So I'm just saying that there's 15 teams in the East, and you said seven of them are over 500. Six, uh, six in total. Oh, I thought you were including the Bucks. Oh my bad. Okay, so six. No, I wasn't including six. Well, like I'm going Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, 76ers, and Pacers are all over 500. Okay. So that's 16. Okay. Um, and then in the West, we got Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, and Mavs, which is seven. So yeah. So half of the West three. and just under half of the East. Yeah. Which, okay. And the, uh, I, I mean, the Raptors' schedule isn't too bad going forward, I'll be honest. No, like, they play Denver um, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then they have... Uh, they're on a five-game road trip right now. A little bit of a roadie. And they go to Phoenix Tuesday, Golden State Thursday, Sacramento Sunday next week, and then the Jazz Monday. So they got mm-hmm. the back-to-back there. Those are winnable games, most of those. Yeah, I can see them coming out of that. Like this, the, the Denver game is winnable. Mm-hmm. It's a tough so game. It's a jazz game. Yeah. 
the Suns game should be winnable. The Golden State game should be winnable. The Kings game should be winnable. And that Jazz game will be a tougher, but it's still a winnable game. And then you have Detroit and Golden State at home after about a week off for some reason. I got a five-day break in there between Utah and Detroit. Um, and then you get you get a bit of a tougher schedule after that. You get the 76ers, the Celtics, the Nuggets, Lakers, uh, four games in a row. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see if I think if they can get healthy for those four games, we'll see what this team actually can do. Yeah, that'll be interesting. No, I just I just wanted to shout out Nick Nurse and what he's done with this squad. Absolutely, he's done well. Um, parting notes. Anything you want to talk about? No, we're good, man. You're good. Okay. All right, well, that'll pretty much do it for us here at Garage Door Sports. Thank you for listening, as always. Make sure you tune in next week. Uh, We're going to do another show before I head to Florida for spring training. Um, Also, make sure you check out our website. We have our first article up there. It's a thank you letter to sports written by yours truly. Shameless plug. But no, it's we're gonna try to get more articles out there as much as we possibly can. We have one in the works right now with the CPL, um, as well as some other stuff we've been working on. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We will try to post all over our social media to let you guys know. Um, so as always, my name is Nick McVicker, and for Irfan Manji, we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>